Welcome to Worship with the Old Presbyterian Meeting House in Alexandria, Virginia, brought to you at a time when we join you in practicing social distancing to curb the pandemic virus. This sermon podcast is from our online virtual worship service that you can find through our website at opmh.org. We pray that in the not-too-distant future we will welcome you in person when you visit us in Old Town, Alexandria. Good morning, and welcome to worship at the Old Presbyterian Meeting House in Alexandria, Virginia, on this glorious Lord's Day. Wherever you are in your journey of faith, know that you are welcome here in this sacred space and time together. We're glad you've stopped by. The Lord be with you. Let us worship God. Our scripture lesson this morning comes to us from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, 
verses 22 through 33. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, Peter became frightened and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jesus walking on water. It's another story we all know. And this one perhaps because it's so unusual, abnormal, and otherworldly. Like last week's story, it behooves us to ask, why is this story so important? What does it tell us about Jesus, about ourselves, about the nature of faith? Well, this story, as you'll recall, is preceded by the story of the feeding of the 5,000. That story began with Jesus trying to retreat to a deserted place to grieve the loss of his cousin and colleague in ministry, John the Baptist. However, the crowds follow him and draw him back to work. But once the crowd is fed and dismissed, Jesus tries again to get away. In our lesson today, Matthew says that Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go to the other side of the sea. In other words, Jesus didn't give them a choice. And then Jesus dismissed the crowds and headed to the mountain to pray. So what is Matthew trying to tell us? Well, at the very least, he's telling us how important it is for Jesus to rest and pray so that he can maintain his health and ministry. But there is something more going on here as well. According to Lance Pape, Matthew structures this story symbolically to reflect the situation of the post-Easter church. Jesus is not with his followers. And the result of this arrangement is that the community finds itself alone, below, while Jesus exists apart and above in the presence of God. This is, in storied form, says Pape, the fate of the church in every age.
It's lower to life, but not as accessible as it might be. Pape goes on to say that the disciples are in the same boat, a symbol that neatly captures the church's collective identity and shared fate. Separated from their Lord and weathering on their own the storm of life in a hostile environment. I find Pape's argument persuasive. I think this story certainly reflects the church in our age as it battles a global pandemic that is claiming far too many lives, as it grapples with a faltering economy and a failed healthcare system that is putting even more lives at risk, as it struggles to own the centuries-old problem of racism that continues to batter against any real sense of community, and as it endeavors to speak truth to power when so few want to hear the truth. So where, we must ask, is Jesus? Where is Jesus when he's most needed? Well, by the time Jesus finishes praying and comes down from the mountain, the disciples' boat is being battered by waves far from the shore. The wind is blowing hard against them. And then, as if the situation wasn't bad enough already, the disciples see a ghost-like figure walking toward them on the sea. Given the common perception of the sea as the locus of evil and chaos, it is hard to blame the disciples for mistaking the figure of Jesus for a specter of death. After all, says one scholar, the disciples have rowed into the middle of evil's realm and the waves and the winds are attacking them. Well, the disciples are understandably terrified. Seeing a ghost walking on the waves of the sea only heightens their fear. Who or what can walk with such authority? But it's then, says Matthew, that the ghost-like figure identifies himself, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. It bears noting that here Jesus reveals himself not simply as their teacher and friend, but as the great I Am. For Matthew's audience, his words echo the name of God given to Moses at the burning bush. And once again, it is not just his words that reveal his identity, it is his actions. According to the book of Job, it is God and God alone who tramples the waves of the sea. And according to the psalmist, it is God who rules the surging seas and stills the mounting waves. As Matthew tells the story, this is a theophany of the first order. To borrow from the Gospel of John, Jesus is identifying himself with God and as God, the very creator and ruler of the world. Well, this strong declaration prompts Peter to say, Lord, if it is you, 
then command me to come to you on the water. To which Jesus replies, come. And with that, Peter steps out of the boat and onto the water. To paraphrase Anna Carter Florence, it was all going fine for a moment. But then Peter looks around and he panics. He looks at the crashing waves and the howling winds and the boat tossing. The boat he had gotten out of, by the way. And once again, he is frightened. He begins to question himself. What if it was not Jesus who called me, but a ghost? Well, like you, I have looked at, listened to, and learned a lot from this story over the years. I've learned about Jesus's need to rest and pray and what that implies for followers like you and like me. I've learned that Jesus is indeed the great I am who rules the waves and the winds. And I have learned how easy it is to shrink in fear when battered by the storms of life. But what arrests my attention this go around is the frightening, ghost-like appearance of Jesus. It foreshadows some of his post-resurrection appearances. And in each of these instances, Jesus looks and acts so differently that the disciples fail to recognize him. This story resonates with me because there are times when Jesus scares me, shocks me, surprises me. There are times when Jesus asks me to say and to do things that are outside of my comfort zone. And like a ghost, he often shows up in unexpected times and in unexpected ways, doing unexpected things, frightening me and making it hard to recognize him. And truth be told, even his more familiar call and claim on my life frightens and haunts me like a ghost. For I know who I am and what I'm supposed to do. And I know I fail to do it. To borrow again from Pape, we might say that the presence of Jesus in our midst is contested, subtle, and even troubling. It's a matter for careful discernment rather than grounds for any sort of triumphalism. The comfort that Jesus offers lies on the other side of the risk of embracing a power that is strange to our ordinary senses and sensibilities. Well, I have certainly found that to be true in my own life. But as strange and as ghost-like as Jesus seems to be at times, I, like the disciples, have come to realize that he is the only one with the power to save me, the only one to see me through the storms of life. And that is why I worship him. 
in her moving commentary on today's lesson. Jill Duffield focuses her attention on the end of the story, where the frightened disciples finally acknowledge who Jesus is and they worship him. And then she lifts their experience up as a promise for you, for me, and for all God's people saying, in the end and at the end, we will declare that Jesus is truly the Son of God, and we will worship him with our wounds and our worries, our losses and our dreams. And together with Jesus in the middle of us, we will rejoice that nothing we endured managed to take us away from the God who loves us and will not leave us alone. May that promise give you and me the strength to face these troubling times and fill us all with hope. Amen. Go out into the world in peace and have courage, knowing that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit is with you and all people. Amen.